0: Human-centred design, or HCD, is a term that's coming up more and more in our learning industry. But unlike caramel-centred chocolate eggs, where the centred bit is just having caramel on the inside, human-centred design has nothing to do with putting humans inside of chocolate eggs. So what is human-centred design? Well, let's find out. I'm Raf Dornowski, and this is Click
1: Next to Continue.
0: Welcome, everyone, to another Click Next to Continue podcast, a uh, very exciting topic today because one that gets talking about a lot in the learning circle and beyond. Uh, we're going to be talking about human-centered design, um, and the other exciting thing about today's podcast is I have a awesome guest. I've got Nick Petch. How are you going, Nick?
1: I'm good. How are you going, mate? Great to be here. I am
0: I'm am, I am going very well, uh, even though the current Melbourne weather is quite dreary, but I am excited to be talking to you about this uh, This
1: podcast. Yeah, um, me, too, me too.
0: For, for people who, who, I guess, have been living under a rock and, and kind of don't know who you are and what you're about, do you want to give a quick snapshot of, I guess, uh, you know what you're doing, where you're working, the stuff you're passionate about?
1: yeah sure uh so look i guess my current uh job title is uh head of learning experience design and strategy uh i work for uh imc who's a um i guess we're, we're a best spoke uh learning design agency uh mm-hmm. you know that's uh, one major part of that organization we've also got an enterprise grade uh lms um over one side of the business as well um oh, geez i mean I've, I've sort of been in content for around about 15 years. Yeah, I started mm-hmm. out sort of as gra- graphic design, moved my way through sort of animation and, and I sort of got a small exposure to e-learning way back when. Um, I ran off to film for a bit. I was a VFX artist in film and I sort of quit okay. that and, and came, came back to learning and um, sort of studied the studied the learning science and then sort of found my home in kind of learning news experience design, uh, some seven plus years ago, I think. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Starting to get old, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, you know, I've worked with all sorts of organisations, like um, uh, to, to name a few: NRL, Bupa, Seek, you know, cool. Australia Post, T2. That, that's sort of more in the blue chip, and, and as well as the non-profit sector. Mm-hmm, um, yep. What am I passionate about? Um, well, my big why is human evolution. Um, that's my okay. big, big top of the top of the tree, big why, but, um, to make it actually practical, um, human evolution through, I guess, um, systemic interventions of learning, um, you know, and then we see if we start to take that tree down, it's, it's sort of becomes about cultures of learning and then about creating uh, better human outcomes in the, in the sort of, in the process of that. So, you know, I'm very, very, uh, passionate about, um, you know, how might we, um, you know, design for, for people and for culture. Yep. Yep. Fundamentally, awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of been cool. a bit of a nutshell. <laughs> that's a that's a big <laughs> nutshell, mate. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, so, and, and I guess you know one of the things you sort of touched on there is like sort of you know that focus on on, on human outcomes, and I think that's a really mm. nice kind of link to to what we're talking about today. Now, as I said, human centered design uh, is something that gets thrown around quite a lot. Um, you know, HCD, mm. human centered design. Oh, I do human centered design. If I went, Nick, what is human centered design mm. about? What would be, I guess, your your elevator pitch? Um, you know. I'll I'll let you decide how long the elevator ride is, but what's the elevator (laughs) definition of of human-centred design? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, The simplest definition I could give you is it's a process for designing better human outcomes. That's the Mm -hmm. the, the simplest, you know, nutshell I could give you. Um, If we expand on this... um, it's a practice. Yep. It's, a, it's a discipline. Um, it's a giant wheel that's made up of several disciplines, right? Um, most commonly, you know, design thinking, so the popular kind of one. But, you know, that's that's only one part of it. You've got service design. You've got user experience design. You've got mm-hmm. um, even things like creative intelligence, which is like inventing new ways of sort of thinking and using creativity. Um, okay. You've got sy- systems thinking, uh, experience design, um, the list goes on there's new fields emerging um you know as we speak um it's it's a big world you know if I was to really geek out on this for a second for all the nerds out there I would say <laughs> it's it's a form of codified design anthropology that is it's a, it's a kind of data science and design anthropology anthropology sort of coming together and that data being either qualitative or quantitative, right. Uh Um, the source of it, um, to kind of break that down design anthropology being the study of how design translates human values into tangible experiences. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. And then, you know, in many ways, the practice methodology and mindsets and everything of sort of HCD, really becomes a system that kind of governs design anthropology.
0: Okay. Um, yep.
1: be- because, yeah, <laughs> otherwise we'd probably never get anything done because we'd probably all go and travel to remote villages and and, and sit in those remote villages for 13 years trying to understand their culture, right? We, we're in our actual and modern day. There, yep, we, yep. Yeah, we we have a limited time and a limited amount of scope to really try to understand, I guess, the perspectives and, and aspirations um of of the culture because i think so so i painted quite a big picture there about defining kind of what it is and 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 it is you know a big world okay it's it's
0: it this is the uh this is the rialto elevator so you can that's the
1: rialto elevator yeah but if there's one (laughs) thing i could say probably the perfect elevator pitch that brings it all together it would be Mm -hmm. that it's a process that always starts with the people and culture you're going to design for right and that During this process, we seek to understand and value the perspectives and aspirations of the people and and their culture fundamentally. Yeah, yeah. Where where it's different is it takes the control of the design um, out of the hands of the designer and Mm -hmm. actually puts it into the hands of the people you're designing for um, to solve root problems and not just symptoms of problems. Um, Right. And... And how it's radically different is it's it's designing in order to think, not thinking to design. Um, that's okay. a very different approach to to I to what I see being done, um, yeah, you know, in, in other sort of areas of design. Okay. So yeah, there you go. Very long um, thesis um, elevator pitch for you. <laughs> There's no, a few layers there. Yeah,
0: yeah. Ab- absolutely. And I think you know it, it's great to highlight that that this isn't a single discipline. This is kind of like an umbrella that sits over multiple disciplines. Um, And I think that's one of the really big sort of things that it isn't like, oh, I know human-centered design. It's like, well, actually, you kind of, you know, human-centered design by knowing about UX and, and kind of how people work and, you know, yeah. all that sort of thing it's not like a it's not like a kind of you know you, you can't put it side by side next to ux because it sits over the top of ux and, and how you i guess consider ux in that mindset yeah. of giving control back to the people you're targeting
1: yeah um, that is one of the most uh, I, sh- I should just mention probably one of the most common mis yeah conceptions exactly as you've said there um like human-centered design is it's 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 a it's it's a big umbrella and yep. usually people think human centered design is design thinking. It's it's not. Design thinking is a component of human centered design. Same as same mm-hmm. as you know, UX is commonly seen as being human-centered design as well or everything yeah, if you really look at UX, it really quickly becomes about things like ergonomics and accessibility. Nothing yep. really to do with the visual flourishing of design. You know, it, it's kind of there as an aspect of it, but it's really about goal, uh, sort of, sort of ends, goals, and means goals. If you think about UX at a discipline yeah. level, so, so to take to to take human centered design as a just as a double diamond or, or or just as a methodology and to throw it at everything is actually quite inaccurate. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, mm. Yeah. So yeah.
0: so I guess with that, and I think um, you know, d- dissecting a little bit around around the sort of difference between design thinking and human centered design, all that we'll kind of touch on that. But mm. the, the the thing I'm interested to kind of know is, I guess, what are the what are the core, I guess, benefits or outcomes, um, practically speaking, you can expect from, I guess, adopting a uh, a human centered design, I guess, approach or or concept when you are tackling <laughs> um, work or, or problems.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and you know uh like every good designer should answer it, it depends um <laughs> it's it's yep, it's yep. pretty to really kind of just sort of go for this globally i guess first and foremost you get to stop designing for yourself you know mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I don't know like this is something like that, that's huge a lot of designers design for them themselves not out of ego or not out of, you know, um, I guess the reason they're doing it is it's out of a shortage of, of insight and resource. They, they can't yeah. do anything else but design for themselves because they haven't spoken to the people they're designing for, they haven't worked with them, they don't have genuine human insight from which to work from. Uh, Or they've just got a a pile of content to try to turn into something that doesn't suck, right? Um, So I think (laughs) um, the the, the, the ethos, the process, the governance of of human-centered design gives everyone a seat at the table, everyone, from the people we're designing for to the other actors that are in the scenario, whether that be managers or or administration people or policy people or whoever it is, it gives everyone everyone an opportunity to co-design right it's it's fundamental ethos is very much about co-design um i guess the other core benefit is that its core is about creating better human outcomes like Mm -hmm. if you let that if you let that sink in training and performance and if we just put a learning lens on it a lot of times isn't about creating better human outcomes it's about creating better business outcomes right and so these are Kind of like, well, what kind of organization are you? Are you one that is people first, or are you one that's profit first? You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's 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 a deep one that one. um I guess what's cool from probably a bit more on the practitioner side is nobody owns it, and you're only yep. as good as your last sort of set of breakthroughs and insights and challenging implementations. You know, like what's radical about human centered design is a bunch of fifteen year olds from school. Can, can use it and redefine how they want to learn and just totally blow blow everyone out of the water. Yet then, you know, at the other side, a company that was seen as being completely stagnant and dead to the market because they hadn't been customer centric in 10 years can totally Mm -hmm. reinvent the way they do business. You know, yeah. they can they can make sure that every product these purchase from them has a positive impact rather than a negative impact on the people and the environment yeah. or whatever factors you want to consider. Um, I guess for so me, I- one of the other.
0: Yeah, you go. You go. So, so it's so it's kind of almost like um, you know, it, it's a methodology to take out that I guess component of guesswork that we often find when designing products or, or things, where it's where it, we take yeah. a little bit of insight and then we kind of try and decide on behalf of the audience. Um, what's going yeah. to be, I guess, a, a appropriate for them. And, and I guess, um, you know, from that perspective, and, and also to that point of, you know, taking away that designing for ourselves, it's no longer a cool, okay, I think this is what I stand, this person needs. Wouldn't it be cool if we did this thing for them? Like, th- there shouldn't be that element. It should be like, hey, here's exactly what they want and, and the outcome for them. And it just dictates. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Even, d- even answering those exact questions that you're posing. Mm -hmm. with them even having them answer those questions which which like so if we just take this one step deeper it's like so here's a bunch of insights we spoke to 50 people about um how they want to learn let's say yep and let's now take this back to them as a report hey guys this is what 50 of you said about how you want to learn how about we now go into a phase of prototyping this together, paper prototyping it. We'll, we'll do a three-hour workshop. We'll paper prototype. How might we, you know, um, um, take these key insights and and create, um, you know, tangible some some tangible experiences with them. You know, st- yeah. st- staying yeah. staying with those people throughout the whole journey, not just. Um, not just at the at the at the sort of analysis phase or something but like mm-hmm. really staying with them throughout that journey is is like something is that's where the real magic happens um yeah. yeah the deeper and and this is something i'm learning the deeper and deeper you go the longer you can keep people with you on that journey um yeah, yeah is is radically awesome i guess i guess the other piece there Something that really enables—that's quite magical—is—is is, <laughs> magical sounds so whimsical, but it really is <laughs> magic. Is it? Is it provides clear thinking about authentic change that is non-content or technology dependent. It, right. Like, like, like at some level, like we get to solution mode eventually, right? Eventually, yeah. But we don't start at that solution mode. But getting yeah, being yeah. being able to think really clearly about a problem by being really really well informed by 50 60 70 maybe 100 people mm-hmm. of, of worth of research is is a really powerful powerful way to go about designing solutions and I guess that's how you really get to solving those root causes of a problem and not just the symptoms. If you talk to just a small group of people like just the client or just the project sponsor, you're only going to get a symptom of the problem. You're only going to get what they see. If you go and talk to a broader range of the audience, you're slowly going to be going down the the tree trunk of the problem and you're going to start to get towards the root causes of that problem, Um, which is, I think, a very interesting question part of the process right um if you yeah. look at it that way yeah. yeah
0: and i think you know that that kind of it really highlights that very often that the people that you are engaging with on a on a learning project they're, they're the ones that can articulate the symptoms of, of something not yes. going well or, or or they can kind of articulate what the goal is but it, it's kind of the people who are going to then be Doing the doing, changing their behavior, adopting a process, becoming more motivated—they're the ones you need to actually be talking to to understand. Well, how? What do you need to actually mm. achieve a particular yeah. outcome? Yeah, um, because they're yeah. the ones that'll give you those honest answers. And I think that's that's very often lost um, yeah. in, in design, where where you kind of talk to the stakeholders and say in learning the LD manager and all, and they go, "Oh, here's here's the problem, and, and here's how you should fix it." Uh, yeah. And their reality and their pers- perspective, because it is a perspective, is yeah, absolutely is is quite disconnected from, I guess the objective insights you can get from people who are doing one yeah. thing, and you're like, "Well, yeah. why aren't you doing this other thing?" It's like, oh, here's yeah. why.
1: Yeah, okay. so there's one thing that really sings true echoes in the chamber of HCD, and that is um the the word native, um because what mm-hmm. you want to do when you're designing in a culture, you know, an established culture is you want to design solutions that are native to the to the audience you're designing for. Why native? Yep. Well, native means there's there's minimum friction on yep. the on the adoption of that solution. You know, it's a really powerful way of, of looking at. Like, it's almost like sometimes when I go into a culture, I feel like I'm. Uh, this is just my own fantasies playing out here but i feel like i'm sort of like a professor going into some 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 village out in africa to study the ways of these people you know like like that is actually not a yes. bad mindset to actually take into the design process because you really want to be be observing you don't want to be in the way you don't want to be overpowering things with your perspective you want to be open to learning about this culture before you even begin to consider what your hypothesis kind of might be about what needs to change you know it's really putting that putting that kind of hat on and um you know, being a bit of an Indiana Jones about the whole sort of thing. I don't know if that's the well, right metaphor.
0: Yeah. No, I like it. I'll roll it uh, So long as it's not Indiana Jones. And you know, is uh, the, the 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 skulls movie that was awful, but uh, the earlier the, uh, the, 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 the earlier Indiana Jones. Hey, and I think you know that's that's that's. I, I really like that you've highlighted that because I guess yeah. one of the things that we often uh, see in in learning and beyond is this kind of methodology where an organization uh, will look at look at the symptoms they're experiencing yeah. and say, hey, we've got this problem and then look yeah. like over in another backyard and go, look, that organization has this same yeah. problem as us. Oh, Let's God. do what they did. And, and yeah. I think for, for me, it's like symptoms can be yeah. universal because yeah. the, the end result of something going badly is, is kind yeah. of, it, it, it manifests in very similar ways. But the, the reason it's happening and understanding how to influence People yeah. in a particular culture that changes drastically. So it's oh, not yeah. a case of you know being able to go well they did this and it worked for them so that's what we should do. Um,
1: yeah, no, you, you, you're totally totally right. Yeah, that's a it's a waste of money, you know. Uh, people like yep. wasting money. And people have time. Yeah, time even worse. Time is uh, time is a monster. Um, because look, put it this way. Um, I mean. <sighs> you got to ask yourself, honestly, like, what are you trying to achieve? Like, really, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to yep. just fix it? Because good design is as little design as possible, right? This yes. is like... Yep. You know, like a really hard thing to grapple with as a practitioner. You know, it's like, oh, but what about all of my dreams and stuff? It's <laughs> like, yeah, you're designing for yourself again. Try not to do that. Don't, you do know. that on your weekends. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, yeah, it's really important to 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 be authentic and and to as we move forward in the world. I think one of the big things you'll see is this idea of the capability of design coming coming forward and. And it might be a little too deep for today's chat, but there is something, you know, this, this idea of using design as furnishing versus design as a strategy. They're, they're two ends Ooh, of it. I of, like of, that. Of a, I like that. Yeah. So, so, so the really good companies, let's take, uh, let's take Dyson. Why did Dyson make the best vacuums on the planet? You know, why? It's because they use design systemically at every single touch point in their organization for everything they yeah. do. You know, yep. where other companies at Sark uh, use design right <laughs> at the end just to like, oh, make yep. it look pretty, you know. Yeah. And this is a this this instantly tells you about the maturity of an organization, how mature they really are. Like a lot of business organizations and things out there are like, oh, you know, we're so mature. Look at us, la 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 la. It's like cool. So tell me about how you're using design. Um, and they'll tell you, well, what do you mean? It's like we have a graphic designer it's like no like how <laughs> how are you strategically using design to,
0: to become a better
1: yeah. yeah to become a better a better organisation a better entity a better culture to you know to achieve the actual goals you're dreaming about in your strategy let's get your business strategy here like let's break it down for a second how are you going to achieve that goal how are you going to achieve that goal you'll find that at every intervention what needs to happen is there needs to be experimentation there needs to be design capability um you know uh, uh, implemented in order to realize how these goals will be achieved especially those big hairy audacious kind of goals right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so yeah and and i guess you know so so
0: one of the things is is around human-centered design this is something that that probably in in the last few years has really Sprouted up and is quite prevalent across people posting on social media and talking about it and saying that they adopt it. Um, yeah. Is it a new concept or is it just new to L and D? And uh, are we actually yeah. adopting it correctly, or are we adopting it as a that superficial treatment over the top? It's like, oh, look, I'm doing yeah. human centered yeah. design.
1: Yeah. Um. If I'm if I'm really honest, it still hasn't even arrived. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah yeah yeah. If I'm really honest, like okay, there's a few practitioners out there who are. are this is getting subjective. Um, <laughs> there's a few practitioners out there who I f- who who I, I feel have shown evidence that they are authentically practicing um, uh, elements of human centered design, um, you know, on various projects. And I, I just want to yep. highlight that you can't take human centered design and apply all of its aspects on a single project. It's like like a physics one hundred and one. It is literally impossible, right? Um, yeah. You can you can uh, you can you can introduce aspects of it on any given project. Um, mm-hmm. I see things all the time, like how does L and I don't know impact learning and performance. I see these kind of like the, these these perspectives and these sentiments kind of online, and you know it gets yep. me thinking really behind the scenes that learning and performance has nothing to do with L and D. Like learning performance is about people and culture. Uh, it's about it's about the culture in which the people work. Yeah. It's not just l and d, and I think I think what needs to happen in l and d is a huge shift in mindset, like like fundamental shift in mindset. Um I think one of the prevalent things that can be introduced into l and d uh, today that it will start the big shift is is actually um service design. Mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so to to start viewing learning as service education as service not as product Um, because this changes the whole game this brings into the picture ecology and if we can bring ecology into the picture what does that do that makes l&d relevant if l&d can be the 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 indispensable backstage crew that brings together the ecology of the workforce the people the performance the um, the culture, the social, the the motivational, the inspirational, the emotional—if it can work through all of this stuff um, using technology and content as an enabler, right? Yeah. Then it's instantly going to become relevant. And the you know you see kind of how stunted the growth of L and D really is because we're kind of like oh maybe we should evaluate. It's like like you know. The, the patient's already dead. I heard this the other day from um, uh, someone, someone, a great leader in our industry. is like this idea with, particularly with data that, you know, evaluation is like autopsy data. The patient's kind of already sort of yes. dead by that point. It's like, it's, yep. you know, that looking back perspective where really what we want to be doing is getting way in front of the bus. You know, we want to be paving the road for the bus um yeah. if anything and we want to be you know digging really deep on our lnd initiatives really deep and making really well-informed decisions about how we're moving forward strategically instead of just being kind of reactive and now i'm sounding like the industry right i'm starting to rattle <laughs> off a little bit but fundamentally i don't even think it's arrived now there's people out there it's not a new concept fundamentally. It's definitely matured a lot. HCD definitely matured a lot. It has been around a long time. Um, elements of it have been around a long time. Design anthropology has been around a very long time. Um, however, what has changed in the last decade is that it's become relevant in business. Design has become or creativity has finally been recognised as, you know, a really high level of higher order thinking and analysis, and you know, um, I guess it, it it due to the complex and volatile nature of the world we live in now. The only yeah. way through that is 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 create is creativity, right? Creativity has always been seen as like, there's this idea of big C's and little C's, uh, big creatives and little creatives. Um, One of the Mm -hmm. problems with creativity is it was always reserved for your Michelangelo's, your Picasso's, your, you know, these untouchable untouchables of of big C's. So no so common people couldn't be creative. They couldn't practice creatively. What the world needs is little C's, little creative people. Everyday people like you and me who are applying creative thinking to our practice. Everyday creativity everyday creativity right everyday creativity not this like you know Renaissance stuff um because yeah, yeah. this it's what needs to happen so is yeah. it a new concept or is it just new to LD ah oh, man I I think there's a lot of maturity um in in, in required from L d's perspective to really adopt it and really get into to true human-centered um, yeah outcomes. Yeah. yeah, And I
0: think, you know, with that, it kind of highlights that, that again, we are, as L&D, we're, we're relatively immature on it, but we've kind of latched onto this term. And yeah. there's this weird habit of L&D yeah. where we latch onto a term and we latch onto the super superficial <laughs> stuff. Like, for, for example, you know, one of the things we talk about is gamification, which is starting to, I guess, be honest, decline now. But gamification, yeah. again, was, was an umbrella yeah. sitting over the top of. A design yeah. methodologies how you do stuff how you interact with people motivation storytelling all this and, and then kind yeah. of all these concepts were working together and one day someone said hey we can call this gamification and then Ellen d yeah. went oh yes and, and just grabbed the umbrella they didn't grab what was under the umbrella and they just yeah. started you know i, I don't know what Not they were here. doing with their umbrella i was like hitting people's heads with it or something and giving them points um, yeah. But yeah, I think you know, <laughs> human centered design potentially has that um, that same risk of going down that same path because we only understand yeah. it superficially, and we're look only yeah. looking at, I guess, that umbrella view.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, I think the I think there's a bit there's a problem with there's a thing with like this this thing that pops up. I see it sometimes in different industries and things. It's like L and D assumes it owns learning. Man, learning, yep. learning is go go. Spend a day or two in in the the service design banking sector, in the solving societal problems, changing the justice system sectors, and look at the innovation work they're doing. So mm. many large proportions of it is learning. Doing it way better than L and D will probably ever do. Yes, it. Uh, yeah. like learning is this. Um, it's this vaporous thing. It is not a tangible thing. Um, it's it's this. It's this kind of like God. I'm going to sound spiritual, but it is a energy. It's a it's a time and a place, and, a, and there's so many factors to it. It doesn't. It could never be contained inside of a L and D. Now there is a function inside of an organization who is responsible for creating opportunities for learning yes. to nice. take place.
0: Yeah. Um, I, like, I like that terminology yeah. that that exactly that opportunity because you, you can't make someone yeah. like learning is is something someone does so you, you can't yeah, yeah, make yeah. them do that you can create yeah. those opportunities and, and I think you know to to the earlier point you made the, the purpose of L&D shouldn't be to create content it should be to design the business so that learning opportunities are prevalent and exist <laughs> in just day-to-day
1: yeah man like how do you make great learning content? hire a graphic designer yep. <laughs> like hire a UX designer and I don't mean to take a take a stab at all of the amazing e-learning developers out there but what I'm gonna say may offend some people out there and that is that you're not qualified to to you know do every single role that is required yes. to make a great yep. piece of content you are not qualified you do not have the experience um yep. and that it is actually takes multiple people of different disciplines to create um content to to what i would call it at a, at a standard now don't get me wrong there's yep. things you can do there's things you can do right but but to really create proper content you need to have multiple people from from multiple roles it's just the way it is and 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 I don't know why we sort of L and Ds in this trend of like how to be a better graphic designer as a instructional designer. It yeah, doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't I think you make mentioned any- that just the other day.
0: I was on that topic on LinkedIn where it was kind of like, yeah. just because you've done, you know, you can design stuff in PowerPoint that doesn't look totally crap, that it doesn't mean yeah. you're a graphic designer. It just means nah. that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Graphic designers. You know, yeah. Sorry, you go. You well,
0: go. there's there's like a um, almost like a an element of actually respecting those other industries and those other expertise that kind of, you know, when L&D goes, Oh, I did this, like I did this LinkedIn course on graphic design and now kick Uh, ass out. It's like, well, (laughs) a graphic designer is like, they spent their career and like 10 years into that career, I find that most graphic designers, they like, they're like, so like, I hate my work. It's so rubbish. I'm sitting there going, this is the greatest thing in the universe. Uh, And like after 10 years, they build up like, yeah, this is starting to be good. And, yeah. And it's kind of like like respect those expertise out. Yes, you can try it. And if you need to, you can kind of put something together. But you're not doing graphic design. You're nah. doing – you're yeah. mimicking. You're duplicating yeah. what you've seen because you don't have yeah. the core skill set and, and knowledge and expertise to actually do graphic design.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graphic designers, are grumpy people who wear skivvies and are obsessed with <laughs> – <laughs> but with with the function the function of type then the form like like yep. these these people are, are engineers right um what i want to point out there what the smart what i think the smart sort of generalists do cuz sometimes you don't have a choice right I, I don't want to be empathetic with people who are out there having to of wear lots hats yeah so what the smart people do is exactly as you said they borrow from the work the established work that has been kind of laid down so Um, they will take say a google material you know and they will apply this to their user experience design Um, uh, or or their ui and their and and and, you know their, their their fundamental design they'll take atomic design principles they'll take um fundamentals of of maybe they'll work from a template or something i don't know but but what they're doing is they're not trying to reinvent the wheel they're actually leaning into the well-established work and framework that has been you know established for them yeah. as as best practice you know um yeah. i think there's a there's a deep one that one but um yeah
0: yeah it's 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 a very interesting and, I, and again that that whole um topic of best practice i saw a really interesting post around that that, 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 that if you're only ever mm. focused on best practice you you never move forward because you need people be yeah. kind of like that's the established and then there's yeah. there's there has to be i guess the pioneers kind of pushing that further but uh, that's a that's a that's another topic I, I think we can probably get stuck into another time but uh, pulling things mm. back pulling things back now back back to back to hdc and and um and the learning world so so one of the questions i do have is is from a i guess you know a probably quite uh, a a basic perspective how does HDC influence I guess the 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 core um, the core stages of learning design let's call it so analysis design and development I think we've touched on a bit around analysis that essentially what what it does it makes that analysis phase the entire way through because you're constantly analyzing getting people involved and working with them and getting their feedback and kind of evolving so it almost extends analysis to be project long
1: yeah yeah i think that's a really good point so i mean if we cut to the chase what's the flaw with addy like versus say hcd right i'm i i do not want to pull addy apart too much right yeah but you know we're talking about designer strategy designer styling i think because i think this will be relatable for people who know the addy model right and if we can contrast to create some kind of meaning against hcd I think one of the flaws with Addy is it is designer styling, that that design capability and true discipline, I guess, sorry, the the design capability is a true discipline and process is not fully realised or respected in the Addy process. So so I guess what I don't like about the Addy model is that in some ways it's a bit loaded with assumptions. Um, Okay, yeah. and And these assumptions create impersonal experiences um it's really i guess if you take the adi model and you look at it it's it's really designing from the perspective of governance right and not true human outcomes if you go and read the literature on, on Addy or stuff it's like well what's the knowledge and the skill and the capability gap you know and yeah sure there is some amount of empathy in there but it's really not from the perspective of the people and the culture. It's from the perspective mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. knowledge and and skill. It's looking at people as human capital, not as human beings. Um, yep. And, like, if you know the history of the Addy model, you know, it's no surprise, like, designed in the Great War for the mass design of instruction. Um, yep. and An interesting fact I th- and I need to do- go and double check this sometimes, just because in the Great War there was actually more injuries not on the front line of battle, but actually behind the scenes, um, workplace like kind of OHNS injury, injury. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a really interesting thing if you think about it. Right now, where uh, HCD is designer strategy. So a super common example of what is designer strategies is prototyping. And yep. and I think exactly sort of as you said, HCD puts a discovery process in front of analysis, which um, radically changes the way we frame the problem. So framing the problem is is one of the most important things about. Mm-hmm. Human-centred design versus, I think, other disciplines is how we frame the problem. How do we even arrive at having a problem statement about what we're actually trying to solve? And this is where that assumptions piece of Addy is, you know, kind of a bit limited. And this is why I think human-centred design uh, kind of brings a little bit more to that lens. So um, it has a bit of a domino effect, and nine times out of ten will kill the initial brief because it was inaccurate Mm -hmm. anyway. It's like the assumption was um, we have corruption in our organization, so we need two 45-minute modules to change that. And it's like, well, okay, let's go and have a look at that. Guys, this is a systemic issue, and it's actually Mm. partly to do with corruption, but it's actually partly to do with the way you you guys do your reporting. It's actually your reporting is actually people don't know how to report properly, and it shows up as corruption. It's actually not authentic corruption for example right that's a that's something you could discover by having a discovery process at the start um Mm. because uh, look the flaws of of traditional analysis like what's the problem to to figure figure out what the gap is to then figure out what the solution is right that's a three-step traditional process of analysis is it's problem solving from your own head without understanding or valuing the perspectives of you know, the people who are doing yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, and kind so,
0: of also that the, the the problem that's been defined is to to your point, the actual problem, or 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 is it actually you know again, it's a yeah. symptom versus yeah. problem and understanding yeah. what, what's actually causing it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so HCD is really oh god, i would probably get shot for saying this, but it's kind <laughs> of um, it's sort of replacing the A in Addy with research and sense making research okay. and sense making yeah so so this is where it's it's a beautiful thing so some words i want to read out to you just to kind yeah. of get there i'm a visual i'm if you can't tell i'm quite visual and abstract but part of the balance of of good design is 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 balancing the abstract and the concrete it's a process mm-hmm. of going from abstract to concrete really that's that's like the the kind of what's the problem through to solution is abstract to concrete many many of the of the time but these words here, envisioning, inspiring, simplifying, structuring, aligning, translating, embracing, and educating. You know, these terms, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these these kind of like verbish sort of terms, right, are really important for a design process, for moving through a design process. You know, you're envisioning yep. you're envisioning what that what that real problem is through research. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get inspiring and sense making and structuring through sense making and aligning mm-hmm. through sense making. You might need to do some translating and then embracing new ideas. Like this yeah. because human centered design is it's potent, man. It's potent. It'll get you new ideas that are foreign and radical. Like it's it's not like, oh yeah, it's a module. It's like it's like yeah. it doesn't do that, like sometimes, right? It gets you like well, it's not really a training problem. It's actually an environmental problem, and we have an answer for it. And instructional designers can deliver it. Mm. You know, like like it it's, it can be quite potent.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I particularly on. like in that in that uh, you know series of words. You know, simplifying was in there. I I always yeah. kind of, I always you know there's a lot of there's a lot of perception that you know the really complex and wow this is amazing and super high touch sort of solution is the best one for me. It's like what is the simplest way that an outcome can be achieved because that means you you need people to change the least um and you know to to the point of you know taking away friction hey if if i can achieve something by sending an email to someone which people read emails all the time versus sending them somewhere else to read something yeah, or the email because that's that's kind of less change of behavior for the rather than like hey we've started this new web page and it's got all this new stuff it's like yeah cool that's not my behavior i don't go over there
1: yeah um, yeah so it's yeah. like what's that's... the
0: simplest way
1: yeah that's it man and this is why like um you know i've spoken about some pretty abstract and complex and open ideas that's because yep. simple isn't is is not simple. <laughs> yeah. Like simple is complex. Uh, we are naturally yeah. are really good at designing complex ideas. We're really good at doing that. Getting to simple, it's that you know I would write you a shorter letter if only I had the time. Right. It's yes. Doing yeah. nice. Doing yeah. Doing that requires more front end process. If you want to get to a really simple idea that is true, native, inspiring, motivating, aligned. Um, then it's going to take more time in the front end. Less time mm. in the front end, the more complex and more symptom focused the the solution will be ultimately. And mm-hmm. there's a couple of factors. Like maybe a, a good way to 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 continue this thread we're following is where do the impacts show up? Where does the the impacts of HCD show up? And mm-hmm. You know, some work I'm doing in the background. I'm looking at this from a through the lens of learning and 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 that sort of thing. And I think there's three areas. There's motivational, environmental, and interaction. And to to kind of break these down real quick, motivational is kind of made up of like um I guess mental and um environmental at a level, right? Like that's kind of like motivation has a personal Incentive and also an external kind of incentive, right? Like a cultural kind of thing. Yep. And you've yep. got like in the in the environment, you've got the physical and the social, right? So they're kind of pretty well connected there. And then on the interaction side, you've got the material and the temporal. The the temporal being the sort of the time based component towards a, a a solution, whatever that is. And so what you'll find is when you really get go deep on HCD, you'll find that the impacts can show up and influence these kind of factors if you will these principles um and that said they're pretty abstract level right that's at a high level so what happens is though when you follow this down what you might find is that i'm going to give you an everyday insight here is mm-hmm. that um you know okay people don't have time to learn that's become apparent after talking to 60 people apparently they're too busy to really do much learning so oh yay we're going to go to micro learning cool right well established kind of modern day trend and theory what you'll find is what that what that insight really has an impact on is the is the um some of the social behaviors and the and the motivational kind of aspects but the temporal Mm -hmm. and the material so the length and the the format and the you know um, how how that solution really plays out. So you, can you see sort of what I'm doing here? I'm kind of linking these these kind of first principles of of human uh, motivation, environment, and interaction back to mm-hmm. the process of analysis. So I'm trying to yes. sort of build a bit of a bridge. And a lot of the tools that keep us in scope um, and on impact are these these tools that are used to envision inspire to simplify to structure to align translate you know these achieving these things um can be done through using a lot of the methodologies from the the tools like whether it's uh empathy mapping for example Mm -hmm. can be used Mm to in envision how our audience that what envision the state of our audience or the people we're designing for at a particular point in time or a particular yes. context, but then yep. you can also flip that empathy map around and make it an expectation map. What are they expecting to see, to think, to feel, to say, and to do? What are their expectations? That can be used mm-hmm. to in- inspire or to simplify. Or even to structure, you know. So yeah. so that, that tool, that one of the most simplest, most fundamental tools of, of human centered design being like empathy mapping, right? Can mm-hmm. be flipped in so many different ways across so many different contexts to get really rich outcomes. Um so yeah, I feel like I'm taking it a little too deep. I can really rattle on about this stuff.
0: Um, no, so it, be- it's, it's good. Yeah, I think I think you know it, it's one of the good things to to again the, the, to highlight yeah. that this 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 isn't a a kind of you know we're doing human centered design. Let's go, gang. Um, so yeah. it, it is actually there's there's multiple layers. Uh, there's yeah. There's multiple columns. There's multiple disciplines under it, and yeah. and I guess there's multiple things you can be doing to be adopting you know bits and pieces of it. Based yeah. on what you're trying to achieve, the environment you're in, um, limitations That's, of the approach. So, like you know, it's it's it, to your point. You can't just go, "Yes, we're doing human centered design on this project." It's like, "Oh, cool." So, like, you'll be done in yeah. twenty years. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. it's it, it's something that that it, it isn't rapid, but you can you can adopt and be inspired by components of it to yeah. deliver better outcomes and fundamentally focus on. Less the the content aspect, which very often I kind of see that real connection between here's how human centered design inspire this content, and more about yes. I guess that 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 design, the business design, experience design, designing for culture sort of side of things.
1: Yeah. So so uh, we'll talk about scope and stuff. I think maybe in a, a, a maybe after after this bit, so we can kind of quarterize yep. this conversation um, into yep. a nice bracket, but what's beautiful about design as a just as an industry so so design is a mother of, of like invention right it's an instructional design graphic design yeah you know, all of it fits underneath this broader greater capability in context of design right um mm-hmm. and what's beautiful about the industry is that it's not nobody owns it and 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 anyone from yep. any walk of life brings a new capability of design and so therefore it's inherently co-creative like it's mm-hmm. in, it's an accountant and a graphic designer can get together and create something awesome you know what i mean a mm-hmm. better way yep. of doing something that creates better human outcomes so so it's like it's this beautiful uh, melting pot of of like Truly respecting the disciplines that everyone brings to the table and the life experience mm-hmm. that everyone brings to the table. That's why I'm in design and probably will be for for life. I didn't realize it when I started. Uh, I wanted yeah. to design record covers. I was, you know, that's 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 how I started and got ended up here somehow. But yeah, <laughs> the the journey. What I've realized is that's what it's really about. It's really about co design, and it's really about asking the question of what are the who are we designing for and what are the human outcomes that's mm. that's really you know um um and and human centered design is something that needs to be explored hence it is um you know it is it, it's not so much a uh, this kind of term of like it's it's sort of not really thinking to design mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's 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 something something a bit greater than that it's it's designing in order to think so mm-hmm, you're actually mm-hmm. doing stuff in order to think clearly about who you're designing for and what the human outcomes are going to be like that's yep. yeah it's a deep it's a deep deep thing there yeah.
0: Very, very, yeah, very, very <laughs> interesting flip on that, and I think you know that'll that'll yeah. probably make a few people sort of scratch their noodle and and reconsider their perspectives around this. Good, um-
1: good. That's that's a good thing. That's a good thing because that's what it's about. It's about new perspectives. It's
0: exactly. It's, you know,
1: that's it's a learning, right? It's change. Yeah
0: yeah it's a yeah we we, that's the thing i mean it it doesn't enable change and and especially in i guess you know our space that that should be a really good thing and and again kind of you know trigger better thinking evolution trying ideas evolving learning and and kind of and and yeah becoming better in in getting those outcomes yeah uh, so i guess you know one of the big things is now we probably dropped a few truth bombs along the way here that hey that Two posts you read on LinkedIn about human centered design and that pretty diagram. You kind of have to go beyond that. Um, yeah. Where where should where would you recommend people start in terms of understanding it and and, and I guess starting to you know experiment a little bit uh, with with the what's underneath that human centered design umbrella? Oh
1: god, I think okay yeah. So get get preg- preg- pragmatic. The best the best design strategists out there are um, idealistic pragmatists. Right. <laughs> um, yep. The best, most practical thing you could do to actually experience human-centered design is to join one of these global think tanks or co-design projects. Best mm-hmm. thing you okay. do. You don't need. You don't need to know anything about human-centered design because there'll be someone in there who's senior and will govern the process with a process. Right. That's mm-hmm. probably the best thing you can do. Go and actually experience. <clears throat> excuse me. A Eight-week process of designing a really wicked problem. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. how might we help teachers around the world flip to remote teaching context whilst maintaining student motivation and improving outcomes? That's a true wicked problem, right? Um, Now, I bring that one up because that's a process I just did with like 300 designers across 33 countries over mm-hmm, eight mm-hmm. weeks um, with IBM and the World Design Organization. I thought I knew what design thinking, innovation, human-centered design was. I've been doing it for a while. And I got in this situation where we had <laughs> all of these designers from all of these countries with all of these perspectives and all of these unique mm. problems trying to solve, you know, one purpose. And, man, that was Hectic, I'll tell you. (laughs) Mental. Mental hectic. Like I've never seen one thing I've noticed is that is that what happens in these heightened, say, you know, more like sort of critical contexts, it's coming from unfortunate circumstances, is that innovation is a beast of its own. You'll you'll see that that you really need to experience different contexts and different perspectives. You need to expose yourself and your own thinking and your emotions to new contexts. That's the first place I would start with human-centered design.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, like, like tools and methodologies and everything aside, go and do some stuff in different contexts outside of yeah. learning. So yeah. that's really step one, yeah. Um, step two, read This Human by Melissa Nova and then read it again um this is a great great book about being the person that is designing for other people it's it's a deep onion this book you'd read it when you when you've been practicing for 25 years or you read it when you're just starting out you're going to get a different meaning from it every time Um, she's, she's, she's done a fabulous job with that book, um, about being, because being is a really important thing. And I think it's one of the fundamental differences between other practices and human centered design is that begin the HCD journey, no matter where you're at, even if you've done a bunch of, um, design thinking like design sprints or whatever, if you're going to take human centered design seriously, begin it as a personal journey of growth right? Because yeah. you become the tool. So human-centered design, you're a human being practicing human-centered design. You're becoming the conduit between the people and the outcomes and society and all of these other factors, right? You need to be like this mm-hmm. nice, clean, kind of shiny tube that, that, that takes all of the input from the users you're designing for and kind of funnels it in a sense without putting your own human bias in front of it, without, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's very tricky and complex. To do that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be a nice, <laughs> I use the term nice, I shouldn't use that, but you need to be an empathetic human being. You need to genuinely have some kind of care. You need to be yep. brave, you know. It's a lot of things that need to happen and consultants A lot of self-awareness. Relate. So self-awareness, yeah, man, like yep. it's something I'm, I'm still working on. Every day, I'm getting better and better at, at, at becoming a human centered practitioner, and I'll never be, probably never be enough. But this again comes back to the ethos of working with other people. It's not about mm. being a master of human centered design, it never will be. Nobody owns it. You go and talk to the best, some of the best practitioners in the field, the way they show up, you know, you probably wouldn't even think they're a human centered designer. They don't even say the word design thinking. Like they just kind of do in a certain way that is just amazing to be around. It's also powerful and inspiring and, and the clarity and alignment that comes through, the questions they ask, the way they show up, the way they uh, formulate insights. Mm. I think a true masterful human centered designer is um Someone who can enable emergence to take place, so 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 deep emergence, basically allowing the true problem to emerge, allowing yes. the true solution to emerge, yeah, being patient yep. enough and being um, charismatic enough to be able to lead a journey where things can emerge. Is that I think the true mastery of HCD, you know, um, um, that, that's my current understanding. Right, I'm 35 yep. years old. I'm I have a limited knowledge of the world and how things work, but that's where I'm currently looking at as myself. And everyone's got a different story and a different journey. But um, mm-hmm. you know, I've got certain influences. Um, Malice is a, a huge influence on me. Um, you know, I, I spend time. I'm lucky. I get to spend time with melissa and the people that she practices with in 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 her craft and it's been Mm -hmm. very influential for me and um yeah it's it's changed what they taught me in design school is is quite different to what i'm learning in human centered design quite different yeah Yeah. Um, um You know, not to say I can't can't work with designers still, or I can't bring that that some of that stuff. (laughs) But but it is, yeah, it's a it's a journey of it's it's. I think a lot of other disciplines are about the about the doing, uh, and and about the knowing of things. Where I think human centered design, that's all great. You'll you'll tick that off pretty quickly because if you look at the tools, they're actually really kind of simplistic on the surface, right? Like like. You, you'll pick them up pretty quickly if you come from learning design as well you're going to have a really good foundation of um like analysis and complex complex thinking and things like that and that's great that translates really quickly to to human-centered design to like sense making mm-hmm. and stuff like that which is really good but I think the harder thing for people to adopt is is this self-reflection self-awareness state of being kind of kind of stuff yeah. right and I think society as a whole, uh, is is still learning and adapting to this way of of sort of yeah being more human like
0: yeah you know? absolutely and 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 i think you know that 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 being having the skill of of well the skills of unlearning and relearning and and kind of never been fixed in <laughs> yeah. in in the perspective of the knowledge you have yeah hey, this this has been um Quite a quite a podcast. I think we've kind of, you know, done some really high-level stuff, dived down. I, I think that the one thing that, you know, people definitely take away is, you know, and, and, and the, the purpose of this conversation was to highlight that human-centered design is not a superficial treatment um, yeah. and it's not a buzz. It, it's like actually really complex and, and ultimately you don't apply human-centered design, you apply components to it and, and each of those has a certain amount of depth. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing I really liked about was towards the end, just kind of highlighting that, you know, if, if you're applying – Um, the methodologies around it, it it should help you make that real problem emerge. And I think that's one gap that's so much um, around learning kind of – it's based on a problem that has a lot of assumption in it, a lot of people, I guess, putting themselves into what they think the problem is about and very often – then projects and initiatives start off solving something that isn't actually what needs to be solved, exactly. uh, fundamentally. So, symptom. so as a as a tool, yeah, yeah exactly right. So symptom yeah. versus cause. Yeah. Any any final uh, closing <sighs> thoughts before we are?
1: Ah, uh... oh, yeah. Look, there's a bunch. There's a bunch there. Um, probably have a, have I think a really good takeaway for people. Uh, the, the well, no, actually, yeah, I want to share this because this is this is what I'm currently doing, and I just want to sort of yeah. share it with the world. Have a think about the origin of design. If you look deeply, you'll notice that design comes from, or the need for design comes from either a fortunate or an unfortunate context in the world. Right? It's a bit deeper, but mm-hmm. if you think about the need for design, it's 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 trying to serve people who are suffering from unfortunate you know, context and situations or fortunate, right? They're lucky enough to be mm-hmm. able to extend their skills or, or or whatever. And as you're walking around, have a think about stuff like the services you use um, from like insurance through to your banking app through to the way when you buy toilet paper now, $2 of it goes, you know, to serve a community or an environment somewhere, you know, human mm-hmm. opportunities for human-centered design are all around you in your everyday life and and probably just thinking that really design thinking is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. It's just the tip awesome. of the iceberg. Look at service design, adopt new ways of thinking um, of I guess learning as service or education as service, not just as product. Um, and if you could sort of think about the 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 context of fortunate or unfortunate. Uh, contrasted against the idea of service and how might we create better services for better human outcomes i think you'll Mm -hmm. begin to see the world in in new ways so so that's yeah a little thinking takeaway it's kind of what i'm doing at at, at the moment as well and so you know if anyone has any thoughts on that throw it up on linkedin yeah absolutely that's it
0: (laughs) and uh and uh, Nick, it, it has been such a joy having you on and having a chat with you and, and I've learned a whole bunch and uh, it's it's fantastic. So I really appreciate your time uh, jumping on this podcast. Um, You're most and welcome, there- man. As, as always, um, for those of you listening, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, whatever it happens to be, please do engage uh, with us uh, via social channels. Um, I'll obviously be posting the link to my and Nick's profile um, so you can have a chat with us directly. Um, and again, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as I uh, try to bring you more guests and, and hopefully we'll have uh, Nick back on again because uh, yeah, it's been really wonderful having you on. Thank you so much, Nick.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. See you later, guys. Next, to continue...